0: Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to the Broad Street Hockey Spotify Live post game. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Fun and Games for the evening. Oh, what a game that was. <laughs> I'm happy they lost. Happy they lost in regulation. You know, it looked in the first period like we were going to get a pretty up and down, wide open game, and then stuff just kind of stopped happening. Way too many whistles. Game took forever. Um, I mean, it's, you know, the fourth worst and the sixth worst teams in the league. It's not like it was ever going to be a good game. Um, the ESPN broadcasts, especially the ones uh, that are the ESPN Plus Hulu broadcasts, are trash. Like, the audio, uh, suddenly they just sound like they're like broadcasting live from a submarine. There was a rejoin from a commercial tonight where they just had that one hard cam at the end of the rink and no commentary. They just had like arena music playing or so. It was just, I... I can't believe the amount of money, like you know, ESPN, TNT, uh, really just ESPN slash their you know parent company Disney, dumped into these NHL rights. It's the only game on the in the entire league tonight, and we get whatever the fuck this broadcast was. And I'm not even talking about the announcers who were so. Uh, bland that I didn't even notice them, honestly. And the third period I just had on mute the entire time until like the last minute, uh, a couple of minutes after the Sixers game. So, you know, it is what it is with those uh, broadcasts. It's just surprising how bad some of the quality is. Like you buy a $13 GCW pay-per-view on Fight TV and uh, it, it's about the same. It's about the same quality. It's mind boggling that ESPN can't get this together, but Hopefully uh, during the playoffs, it's all on their uh, terrestrial stations, and we don't have these sorts of issues. I, I don't have much about tonight. Two games left. Glad they lost. Winning would have really hurt the lottery odds because uh, it's a win over one of the other bottom six teams would have tied you in total points with Chicago if you win in regulation. So they avoided disappointing us, and now they only have two games left. What a journey it has been. Let's get to your calls. Uh let's lead it off with Harris Barnes. Harris, you're live on the post game.
1: Uh okay. hey Bill. Uh, how are you?
0: How you doing tonight, Harris? Uh,
1: I'm doing all right. Um, I think a lot of people, unless they like look at the standings and look at Tankathon constantly, may have like not realized how bad Chicago's been, especially since the flurry trade, but really all season. So like as you said, this is a very important game securing or basically securing top five lottery odds at one.
0: That's like Chicago was bordering on mediocre all year where it was like, all right, they're not horrible. Like they're not bottom of the league. They were right in that little that soft middle there. And then after the flurry trade, they were losing a rate at a rate like worse than the Flyers. And it's oh, shit. okay, if they keep this up, like is Philly going to lose out in another draft lottery to Chicago? But at least in terms of uh, odds, they they uh, they helped themselves out tonight.
1: And yeah, like I I watch a lot of Chicago games. I mean, I watch a lot of games around the league, but most Chicago games, because they're not good defensively and the goaltending is not great. Typically, they're a lot more exciting. And like the whole two last two thirds of the game were pretty darn boring. Other than like the Debrinket goal and a couple of like Flyers chances. It was a very boring. It felt like a devil's game on the Tuesday. That's what I tweeted it out. It did. That's after that first period, it was like, oh, easy, over
0: tonight. At least we're going to see something. Like, at least we're going to see some goals. It's a good stat padding night for the veterans. All right, that'll be fun. And then it just shut down after the first period.
1: Yeah, um, I really liked the uh, the quote-unquote kids line. Case uh, is really good defensively. Frost has been looking more energetic. And, like, I think Tippett's rounding out his overall game better. Like, he looks more, like, involved in all the parts of the play whereas like in florida especially tippet looked like he would glide more and now he looks like okay they've told him you have to do more like all around the ice otherwise you're just not going to make it because your shot's not that good
0: yeah like if you can and it's a good shot it's just like he doesn't seem to have a one-timer and no matter how hard your wrist shot is like if you're just straight up shooting at the goalie he doesn't have to move. He's probably stopping it. Like, goalies are gigantic and awesome now. It's, it's probably not going to go in. He doesn't seem to have that ability to beat goalies 30-plus times a season. At least he hasn't developed it yet. He has to be a more all-around player. It's pretty crazy, though, watching that line. Morgan Frost has looked better lately, but I don't know what that means because these games are fake. Yeah. Uh, uh, It's crazy to think, though. Like, if someone had told you in the beginning of this season – Owen Tippett, Morgan Frost, and Noah Cates are gonna play together. Oh, and Noah Cates is gonna be the one who looks like the best NHL player out of them. You'd probably be a little surprised.
1: Um, yeah, and like going back to Tippett, um, you guys have talked about this in years past, but like when you're moving up levels, like your shot just has to be like elite at the lower levels, or you're going to have to keep improving it and studying goaltenders because like junior goalies, especially in the OHL are nowhere even close to even AHL goalies. And then obviously NHL goalies. So like tip it. the shot like has been good at lower levels, but I don't think it's improved enough where he hasn't added enough to his bag. So to speak to, to really improve it. So where he's like, uh, wristing it over goalies, um, glove hands like Stamkos does.
0: Yeah. And just, like, think about how good goalies are in the league and how few of them actually make it. Like, a Mike Smith hangs around forever because he's better than – like, in every position, teams are like, oh, yeah, if we could just go with a young guy on an ELC, that would be cool. They just don't come through like that, goalies don't. So you have to go and get, like, a million or $2 million veteran to fill that void a lot of times because, like, the expectation is so great for goalies in this league. And they just don't turn out the way forwards do.
1: Um so there's two games left, right? It's Jets and Senators, correct? That's right. Jeez, those are gonna be boring, boring games. Horrible, horrible games. We are
0: really getting we are really getting the end of it here. <laughs> like this is definitely a losers tournament
1: going on right now. It's um weird for Flyers fans rooting for the Devils to get points in their last three games. Is like, the Devils, they're obviously, like, one point ahead, so they have the Senators, Hurricanes, and Red Wings. Not Like, not that the Devils are going to eke out many points there, but they could eke out enough where the Flyers clinch fourth, and then we go into the lottery, I think, what, it's, like, May 15th or whatever, and the Flyers will be slated fourth, and... um We'll see what happens. I like um, going back to the game. I like um, Hogberg or Hogberg, however you say his name, like just very good skater for a defenseman. Like you can tell he's older and he's more seasoned, like his time over in um, in the SHL has really helped. So like I, I even if he doesn't become anything and he's not like an important contributor to the future, maybe he becomes a trade piece like that's what you want. Yeah, he
0: could definitely maybe be uh, some sort of depth piece, like you said. He's got that sort of maturity where you could plug him in maybe in those spots because of his age, because of the level he's played at before, where like, you know, a Ronnie Adder, who they were calling Ronnie Atard tonight on the uh, on the broadcast, like, you saw him, okay, he's not poised, and now he's kind of figuring it out a little bit more over the last couple of games, and Hopeberg I think, definitely came up, like, immediately with just a, another layer of polish, maybe.
1: Did like, did ESPN just add the NHL to their package or their group of packages just because they wanted to like, expand ESPN Plus? Because it's clearly an NFL and NBA network. They don't care about the NHL for 95% of the time. So like I don't know why they would add it. I mean, ter- TNT is so much better at like, how they produce sports in general or games in general right now. But like, I, don't, I just don't get why ESPN would even want to add it other than expand ESPN no, I think that's
0: exactly it, Harris, is they want that app. They want that app to grow. They know there's a niche audience who, like, you know, I already have the ESPN Plus, Hulu, Disney Bundle and everything. But if I didn't have it, I'd have to have it so I could watch hockey. It's like part of my job. Uh, so I think they just see that, yeah, it's not the biggest audience, but no matter what we give them, they will watch because hockey fans are hockey fans.
1: Yeah, it kind of reminds me now of like what ESPN did with ESPN2 back in the day. ESPN2 had nothing other than like a couple things, and they expanded it with showing NASCAR and hockey on ESPN2, and then ESPN2 grew enough to where then ESPN paid for other sports rights. It, it, kind of the same thing, but I don't know. But thank yeah,
0: you, guys. You got it. Thanks a lot, Harris. It's been weird uh, the broadcast, especially the streaming only ones. Uh, just not impressed with the overall product they're giving us like it's just uh it, it's little nitpicky stuff that may or may not like um affect your enjoyment of the game but it's like motherfucker you're ESPN "quote unquote the worldwide leader in sports" how come for chunks of the game it sounds like I'm listening to people talking through tin cans with strings uh Warren Brody Warren you're live on the post game
2: hey how you doing uh Interesting uh, watching DeBrinket and uh, Kane tonight, and you know when you talk about elite talent, boy, those guys uh, are fun to watch. Uh, a lot better than what anything we have. Uh, you know, we we seem to draft young players that you know, they just don't have that type of those types of skills.
0: Uh, yeah, the DeBrinket one's a huge miss, uh, and I mean, like you know, the whole league missed on him like one and a half times. Uh, but it's just one of those things. Like, a lot of factors led to Ron Hextall getting fired. But say they take the break hit over Rube Stav or LaBerge in 2016. Is Hextall still here? Because he found a star. You know, like, yeah. all right, we have that building block. A single – it's not like a 1C or anything, but he's a damn good star.
2: I, I mean, he found a Noah Cage, but he's not that level. And, you know, maybe DeHarnay, someone like that. But uh, another thing I heard tonight, I was listening – on another show, uh, San Filippo, and he was talking that it may come out during the press or after the season that this quickie retool they're talking about is more of a, possibly a two-year thing, which a two-year thing will turn into a three-year thing, which makes a hell of a lot more sense than what they were talking Uh, about in January. It certainly, like, it
0: makes – yeah, it, it it just makes so much more sense. Looking at the amount of work they have to do, like it doesn't seem possible to do it in one offseason. That's what we've all been saying. And if yeah. it's not just throw a bunch of stupid shit at the wall and see what sticks and uh, maybe we have a playoff contender, maybe we don't at the end. And they're yeah, a little sounds- bit more deliberate, a little bit more discerning. Like I can see them at least – getting closer to what they want in in, in, over a two-year period rather than one single summer.
2: It sounds like it's going to be more trying to make some good strategic hockey trades as well as possibly if they can loosen up the salary cap, maybe free agency. But, you know, Fletcher's past has more been trades. So he hasn't – although he did sign Hayes, but that was really out of necessity, I think. Uh, Yeah, they just didn't have any other centers.
0: Like, that was it.
2: That was a panic move, though. We can't have any more of those. Uh, Hopefully, (laughs) we find out what happens with Ellis. Hopefully, uh, you know, he hasn't defected or something.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we'll see, Warren. Uh, Thanks a lot. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it's an organization that's been run on mostly panic moves for my entire lifetime, you know? Like, uh, it's they're always searching for pretty much the entire time I've been watching them for that quick fix. If we can just get that one guy, if we can just be relevant uh, through superstars uh, right now, like that's always kind of been their idea rarely works and they rarely get that guy. They often miss out on them. You know, they, they go and get JV or JVR. They go and get Jeremy Roenick. Uh, I believe in an off season where, uh, Totally blank there in a in an off where Yager became available. That's what I was going for. Like, okay, <laughs> you know, close, close. You had the right idea, but maybe not right the right execution here. Uh, Patrick Reed Miller, Patrick, you're live on the post game.
3: Hey Bill, how you doing?
0: How's it going tonight, Patrick?
3: Oh, that game was slow, but hey, they lost. Congrats. One step closer to achieving a top five pick. It's better than winning. I guess uh, if I'm the coach next year, I would uh, I'd put Bobby Brink and Noah Cates on the power play because that small sample size. At least Noah Cates can deflect the puck, so that seems like a JVR replacement. And Brink's got a shot, apparently. Uh, uh,
0: that's uh, from what I've seen out of Bobby Brink. He's got the skill. I thought he did. Um, he's not just a perimeter player, though. He gets in there. He seems to want to work, uh, and that's great. Noah Cates. He looks like. Maybe he could be that Swiss Army knife, a uh, maybe not a Lawton, but a, a Michael Roffel type, perhaps a little bit better, uh, maybe a little bit more offensive upside than Roffel. But like just that sort of Swiss Army knife type guy that hopefully you have on the fourth line. And hey, if you can move him up, if you can find different roles for him, because out of necessity, it's not the worst thing in the world.
3: I mean, yeah. I mean, he hit the post on the power play, I think. And it's just like, yeah. man, if once he gets his first one, I feel like that's going to help him. When he hopefully, I hope he starts here next season. I mean, I don't think he needs to be sent to the AHL. I mean, I've liked what I've seen.
0: Yeah, we'll have to. It's going to be very. We're going to learn a lot about how much they really do this off season. How much they, but like, there is a part of me that's starting to think, like, uh, like Warren just said, that they they can't possibly think this is a one off season job. Like if they think that they're actually stupid, like maybe it's just a little bit of lip service to try to maintain a few season ticket holders who do just want to go see, you know, a couple of home playoff games every year. Like hold on to that crowd a little bit, uh, appease them, uh, maybe make a move or two in free agency, but really look towards, if not a full on rebuild, just a longer term sort of thing.
3: And then I guess uh, lastly, it's going to be a real – it's going to be real funny to see what uh, Chuck Fletcher says at the uh, end of season breakdown day press conference or whatever you call it. We're going to get – we're going to hear some things about that. We're going to be like, oh, okay. And then we're going to be like, oh, man, it's it's, going to be a treat to watch, Bill, I think.
0: I think so too, and I think the – I think enough of the media is to a point where – and thanks a lot there, Patrick. I think enough of the media is to a point where – they're going to push a little bit here because of how bad things have been. Like how much, you know, there's always that balance of you can't be unprofessional, but you do need to get your shit in. You need to ask the tough questions, all that. They're, they, they've they they been so bad, and it's two consecutive years of abject failure. Like how much pushback can, the, uh, can Comcast and the Flyers, like really, like, oh, you're going to get retribution on a guy? You're going to take away someone's access for asking about this Putrid fucking team, like you can't. Uh, so I, again, I don't expect anyone to like, you know, throw anything at Chuck Fletcher or whatever. But I do think there could be, uh, there could be some tough questions asked here. Uh, Harris is back. What's up, Harris?
1: Um, so I forgot to ask this earlier, Bill, but was in your opinion was the 2016 playoff make or the 2018 playoff make more detrimental to like the short and long term? Um, Outcomes for the Flyers because like you at the time would have you preferred they like trade Voracek and Simmons at peak value for future assets to like really rebuild or were you always like well Giroux's here we want to like maximize the time even though the team was going to be mediocre you could have started it a couple years prior and then be in an upward trajectory like the Kings are now because everyone points to the Rangers like retool rebuild but a lot of things there you could no one could really control. Panarin and to, to the Rangers, Fox.
0: Panarin and Fox wanted to go there. Like, boom, superstars taken care of. Like, yeah, they like, drafted at the top of the draft, and those guys stink, and they still have, like, two stars because they're yeah. the Rangers. But, yeah, um, 18, 16 was just more fun, and you had a group of guys that I thought could grow together on that 16 team. Like, you have Jake, and you have G, and they're in their prime. And then you bring up Shane bear who, I mean, he's he's putting up... Bob, your numbers, and yes. you're thinking, okay, this could really be something here. Uh, Braden Shen in the second half of that season is a point-of-game player. You still have Wayne Simmons. He's still a 30-goal guy at that point. It's like both of them are tough. 18, Couturier comes more into his own, and
1: and, and you have young
0: of- guys who I thought they need this playoff experience.
1: Like Connect Konechny, them playing in the playoffs is a huge deal. And the second half of that year, because like the first half, they had the 10 game losing streak. The second half of that year, they were like unconscious on the power play. That's Drew, like having the heart level of numbers and then like getting a bunch of like late goals to propel them to get enough points to make the playoffs. Um, or, or you can make the case that not just 16 or 18 or winning the Patrick lottery. Did they did that make them think they were closer?
0: That could have really sped things up because they're like, okay, now we don't, now we really don't need anything. We have this guy. He can be behind. Uh, he can be behind and we're off because we have the two centers. We think provi's a number one. It's just there've been so many false steps along the way. It's so hard to be like, oh, that's the one, because it's been so much. We've just been wrong about so much. I mean. Going back to 2011, Braden Shen. Oh yeah, he's the he's the best player not in the NHL. Brayden Shen has turned out to have a hell of a career. Uh, he won a Stanley Cup. He's a good player. Jesus Christ, he's a 23 goal scorer. You know, like he he's he's not special. He's just good.
1: Yeah. Um...
0: And they've had so much of that.
1: And, like, a lot of people thought that Shen was traded because they won the Patrick lottery. So then, and they had Blom coming, so they wanted to open up forward spots. I mean, Hextall basically said it like the day after the draft or
0: whenever he said it, he was like, well, we needed that, you know, we needed that spot. But we all knew Hextall never wanted to pay Graydon Shen. Like, they just had so every negotiation was like, Remember the one they had? uh, The arbitrator was there, and they're like, "Hold on, give us five minutes." And they banged out a contract. Like it it was always a thing. It seemed like with Braden Shen, he wasn't. uh, You know, he got traded while Hextall was in L.A. and you know got acquired by the Flyers before he was here, and uh, he eventually got rid of him. It didn't seem like he really ever wanted him.
1: Um. And yeah, I mean they. They, you really couldn't pass up what they were offered. They got two first round picks. I mean, they, oh, it was a good one, trade. One yeah. good value and everything. Mm-hmm. That one pick was for Shen. And then the other pick was taking on Latera. They just didn't need to play Latera for that long. And they obviously <laughs> yes. did as the coach. Um, But like, if, if you were in Hextall shoes or any GM shoes, would have you traded um, Simmons and Voracek for peak value to speed up the retool or rebuild, whatever you want to call it? Yeah. <sighs> Probably not in that situation. Okay. Uh, def- like
0: 2016, I don't think so because it seemed like maybe they could add to this and they could still build on it with the young players they had coming. Uh, I guess, you know, if they had better evals on uh, on the guys they drafted, like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, Ivan Provorov isn't going to be a huge difference maker. Travis Sanheim isn't going to be a huge difference. Like if we knew all that, sure. Uh, but it just kind of seemed like, all right, and we have these guys coming. If we can just hold out with this veteran core, there will be some young energy. So, yeah, I, I just think it was – the timing was just off. And I don't think – like, yeah, in retrospect we see it, but I didn't then.
1: Yeah, and then people wouldn't think that Provorov would be like – inconsistent as hell at times and like show that potential one year and then be down the next and, and people probably didn't think Ghost would fall off a cliff in Philadelphia that quickly. And like he's obviously playing better offensively this year, but like he the year that they were really good, they healthy scratch where he was hurt and then they just healthy scratched him after him he just wasn't good when he played. So um yeah, a lot of things have happened with the team and like injuries, cancer. Like the, the team is so unlucky and but like things for the franchise change so much that's why it's very interesting to see where it goes going forward because like the team's have been bad two years in a row and could be for bad for a bit now and like how you really retool it's like the first time that they've done this since what the early 90s when they drafted Forsberg and made the Lindros trade. it's, it's the first time where they've been bad consecutive years I think
0: yeah yeah it's uh yeah, I mean they had the streak forever of making the playoffs every other season. So this is the first one in a while where it's, yeah, they're they're a bad team. They're out of the playoffs. And, you know, now they've fallen to the bottom four in the league. But when you miss the playoffs two years in a row in a league where fifty percent of the teams make the playoffs, you fucking suck.
1: Um, and would you give Frost like a, just a full year, like put him in the NHL, have him play at least sixty to eighty games, and just see can you stick or can you not, and then if he can't then let him go because there's other guys that can do it or if he can then he's he's a full time nhl or is that what you would do i uh i have no attachment to morgan frost
0: at this point i i just don't i don't see A difference making player like if they, Uh you know, depending on what they do this offseason, if there's a move to be made and some team wants Morgan Frost or you can throw in Morgan Frost to to get something, uh, some sort of upgrade. Sure, absolutely. If not, yeah, start him up here next year, play him, see how it goes. But I have no attachment to the guy. I really just don't see an every night contributor sort of player.
1: Are you worried that the Flyers will get rid of a somewhat young player and then that player goes and pops off under a better coach or a better team?
0: I mean, they're almost certainly going to trade the wrong guy. Whoever they trade, it'll be the wrong one. We all know that's what's going to happen. Like, you know, I can't concern myself with something. Like, there are two things I can't worry about. Shit that's definitely going to happen and shit that's definitely not going to happen. Like, you know... I can't be concerned about the sun coming up tomorrow. Cause it's just going to fucking happen. So like I, uh, whoever they get rid of, I'm sure it'll be the wrong guy and it'll pop off somewhere, but they have to focus on just getting value and doing what they think is an improvement to the team. And even if you lose a trade, but get better in the aggregate, like it, it, it's just something you have to do. Sometimes it's clear. This isn't working. Like whatever the plan was this year, you needed to, double it. You needed to really reinforce the effort to say things have to change.
1: Um, and like when they changed GMs and they brought Fletcher and was it important for him to like speed it up and like try to push it forward or did things accelerate too fast or, or did a number of factors end up in just bad luck and them not reacting properly? I think injuries just played a huge
0: part. Like in the last few years, uh, but it's all – Fletcher has to come in because not only wasn't Hextall moving the thing forward, but it was pretty clear that the guys he was putting the future of the franchise it, like on weren't going to be good enough. So it was like you had to pick a direction, and they decided, all right, we're going to add. We're going to say, yeah, we don't think that this – just going this way with mid-ground draft picks is going to do it. We're going to take what we have and cash in the chips and say, time to bring in Kevin Hayes, players like that, Matt Niskanen, and uh, see if we can figure something out because Carter Hart was good that year. And thanks a lot, Harris. Uh, it was it was time to see what those guys who weren't getting a fair shot had under Hack and Hex. And once they determined, like, all right, they're nothing, they don't have anything great here, they should have gone well, fuck, we probably need to blow this thing up. But what they said was, well, we can just add to it, and we have, like, some pretty good second and third liners here already. Um, You know, we can relitigate the past forever. We do it plenty on BSH Radio. I'm sure there'll be talk on the show tomorrow about uh, the ghosts of Flyers hockey past. But we're also tomorrow, something I'm actually excited to talk about are the Flyers team awards and the idea of awarding an a, a most valuable player this season it's hilarious um i have no idea who it could be but i think we as a society need to push for james van Reemsdijk to be named the bobby clark trophy winner um it has to be jvr just keep adding to that resume like oh he played in every game he's going to get to 25 goals he leads the team in goals all this shit we need to push for James Van to, excuse me, to win the Bobby Clark Trophy just to see if it puts a speck of dust worth of value on him so they can somehow get out from under that $7 million this offseason. All right, that's enough for me tonight. Uh, if you can't tell, I am under the weather. My voice sounds horrible, at least in my head it does. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already. You got to hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts and boom, content, content, content. Uh, we're recording a PSH radio tomorrow. This show will be up on the pod feed in like an hour. Uh, plenty of stuff to get you through these last two games and through the offseason. Just because the Flyers season is ending doesn't mean ours is. So uh, hit that subscribe button and leave us a nice review or two. You can always use a few reviews. Do it. Don't be a freeloader. Give us five stars. Say some nice words. All right. Once again, that's it for me. My name is Bill Matz. Until next time, have a great week, everybody.